Hello and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. So for a light-hearted take on Bristol's progress on and off the pitch this season, stay tuned. In this week's show, we discuss the arrival of experienced scrum half Chris Cook and also the departure of Joe Batley, who joins Worcester for next season. We give our thoughts on the announcement that Umro will be our technical kit partner for next season. We also round up other rugby news, including the format for next season's Challenge Cup and Champions Cup, and also the implication of Lord Miner's report published last week. I'm Tony, and this week I'm joined on the phone by Lee and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, gentlemen, great to speak to you again. Um, hello, boys. Hello, the, Lee. How's uh, how's how's your week been? It's been good, Tony. I mean, the sun's uh, the sun's been shining. Um, I've done lots and lots of reading, uh, quite a bit of sunbathing, and uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm all good. Thank you. Excellent. And Pete, how how are things with you? Well, quite the opposite to that, actually, um, Tony. I've been working really hard, designing online lessons, doing online resources and all this sort of stuff. I haven't had a moment to relax in the sun. So, uh, yeah, lockdown's affected people in different ways, isn't it? Well, well, there we are. You can relax with us for uh, a bit of rugby talk now for the next half an hour or so. Uh, Again, Miles gives his apologies. Um... Uh, I, th- I think, to be honest, he's a bit miffed that he's just missed out on the uh, Sunday Times Rich List again this year. Um, I think a few few bad choices at the bookies, and um, yeah, he's just just missed out on the top two hundred again. But uh, there we go. I'm sure his uh, his fortunes will rise shortly. So um, let me come to uh, Pete first. Um, Chris Cook joining from uh, from Bath. Um, your thoughts on that and what it means for the scrum half shake-up for next season? Yeah, well, Tony, I, I think it's uh, it's actually a really good signing. Um, we thought about it a bit more. I mean, this is a guy that's um, he's he's got 140 odd appearances for Bath. Um, he's played 18 times this season. Um, he's uh, he's I mean, he, I think he was a Millfield boy. I read somewhere. Um, yeah, and he's, I mean, they called him a veteran. I mean, he's 29, so I, I perhaps would call him experienced. And I think now um, he's kind of. We've now got four English scrum halves at the club, including Blake Boyland. Um, and I, I actually think he's um, he's going to be really. He's going to be a really good. I mean, essentially understudy to start with, but I think a, a really, really solid performer that's going to push the two young lads a bit more and, and obviously step in if we need. Lee, what do, what do you think then? How how do you see him in the pecking order? Is 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 he going to be that third choice backup, or what do you think we might see him a bit higher up uh, in, in Pat's selection thoughts? Uh, no, I, I mean I. I I'm underwhelmed by this signing. I have to admit, I disagree with, with Pete. <laughs> um, I mean, personally, I think the, the obviously the guy's got a lot of talent. But for me, I mean, I you know I've spoken to a couple of um, uh, Bath supporting friends of mine, and uh, you know Cook's a, a steady player, but he's one one of those players from the impression they gave me that needs a run of games. And I don't think he'll get the run of games at Bristol. I mean, he's not had it at Bath and he's not going to get it here. So I I do have my doubts that he's going to get enough game time to actually make that much of an impression. 
But equally, having said that, I mean, I do agree uh, from the point of view, be a, a reliable squad player and, you know, probably a good addition to the squad. But actually, for the, for the match day team, uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's um, he's going to feature much, to be honest. Okay. Well, he, he was, I mean, I, I, I can counter you there, Lee. I mean, I think you, you've, uh, you've, you've made a good point. Um, obviously, you're relying on the honesty of a couple of Bath supporters. <laughs> with your analysis there and you know let's not dwell on the fact they might have been uh, saying something that uh, they wanted you to hear but um, no I mean you're probably right I mean you know he's clearly not set the world alight but I, I did a bit of research on him and he was in the England under 20 squad in the 2011 World Cup where um, they got to the semi-finals got beaten by New Zealand and looking through the squad he was sort of playing alongside Mako Vunapola um, Launchbury Kovesic um, George Ford uh, Dan Robson was the other scrum half Owen Farrell Elliot Daly Jonathan Joseph Marlon Sweet. Yard so all I'm saying is that you know he obviously isn't he, he's obviously got something about him he's, he's uh, and he hasn't you know dropped out of the premiership I think he played for London Welsh in their promotion um, season and on loan and then he, I read somewhere that when they got promoted he went back to Bath and then he scored a try within two minutes against them in his first appearance so uh, yeah I mean you're right he's not he's not come to take over number one has he um, but I guess he knows his way around um, and you know that's either good or, or just average I don't know what do you think Tony? I think it's an interesting signing um Obviously, Sturzacker, when he was signed, we expected him really to be the starting number nine. Um, but that, that, that never worked out. Um, I, I hope Randall's given the, um, the starting berth at scrum half. Um, and then, then I think maybe depending on the, the game, the tournament, the opposition, Cook and um, uh, Uren will, will, will battle it out for, for the backup place. Uh, I mean, that, that's the way... I see it going, and in fact, that's the way I'd like to see it go as well. Because uh, I, I think it's time now to um, to to have a good starting number nine, um, and that you know start somebody there with Sheedy week in week out. Yeah, agreed. So agreed. so let's let's move on then. One 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 in, one out. So um, Joe Batley, um, who has been on loan with Leicester Tigers this season. Uh, is leaving the Bears uh, to go up to Worcester Warriors. So, uh, Lee, if I can come to you, your thoughts on Joe Batley uh, leaving? Yeah, another defection to, to Worcester Warriors. Um, I mean, to be fair, I mean, Batley, again, he was a reliable squad player for us. Um, never really set the world alight, but actually, you know, you couldn't say he was a you know, ever I can't remember a man of the match performance, but equally, um, I can't remember a bad performance from him as well. So, I think very, very steady Eddie, um, and obviously, you know, he's gone through a lot of stuff in his in his personal life um, over the last couple of years, and I, I think he'll be a really good fit for Worcester. To be honest, I think he'll get some game time there. And I think, well, hopefully, uh, you know, apart from the, the two games you'll play against us, um, hopefully you'll do well there and you'll get, a, you know, a settled place in the side. Yeah, Pete, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, um, Worcester made another signing as well. Was it uh, Kvezic from 
Exeter as well this week. Um, yeah, your thoughts he played on... with Chris Cook in the World Cup 2011. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with Leeds. To be honest, I mean, he was he seems like a you know really decent sort of squad player, but also club man. I mean, a few of the sort of um, things comments on Twitter when he announced his retirement. You know, there were some some very nice things said about him from some of the players. Uh, he obviously was very popular behind the scenes. And as Lee said, you know, he went through a, a kind of cancer scare and got through that. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, he's, he's got some back. He's got some, uh, a bit of uh, quality in there. He's played for England under 18s, 20s. And yeah, I think fair excuse to him. I, I think you're right, Lee. I think Worcester's a, you know, a good place for him. You know, smaller squad. You know, they, they, they've got a, they seem to get the best out of, players that aren't necessarily, you know, well-known names. And, um, you know, he's a big unit. I mean, he's, uh, what is he, six, seven, nearly 20 stone, can play in the back row, flanker. I mean, you know, I think he'll be, he'll be if he does play for them when he comes to the gate next year, he'll be a bit of a handful and we'll be ready for it. OK, well, I'm sure we all wish him well. Um, and as you say, apart from those two games against us next season, but uh, go well, Joe. And of course, uh, as, as Lee mentioned, I think it was March 2018 where um, he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, but he, he fought back, made a full recovery, and look, he's he's playing professional sport at the highest level. So uh, good luck to you, yeah, Joe, and, and good luck for the the rest of your career. Um, and one other bit of player news: we already knew at the end of the season, Ali Muldowney was uh, hanging up his professional rugby boots. Uh, but a uh, little bit of news that broke over the last couple of days is that he's going to go back where it all started. So he's going to join Stafford Rugby Club as their uh, a player coach. Um, and uh, I think that's just a lovely story because that's where he learned his trade. Um, he's a Stafford boy uh, and he's going back to to give back to the club that, that set him on his, um, on his road to professional rugby. So uh, good luck, Ali, and I uh, hope, hope all goes well with that move. Um, now, now, that's the player news out the way. Um, at long, long last, we had confirmation that Umbro... Um, will indeed make our kit for next season. Now, um, it's been billed that Umbro are our technical kit partner. And certainly that raised my eyebrow. And I think a few um, tweets and uh, posts on social media, what exactly did that mean? So let me come to uh, to you, Lee. Um, um, do, do you see this as um, Umbro doing all the gear or um, this phrase technical kit partner? Does it worry you that maybe uh, they, they, they won't be doing everything that's for sale in the shop? Yeah, I mean, it definitely worries me because it isn't usually a term that's mentioned, is it? When, uh, you know, when you have a new kit uh, supplier, that I've never actually heard that term mentioned before. So... I'm a bit like you. I've, I've still got both eyebrows raised thinking, okay, so what does that actually mean? Um, I mean, hopefully, I, I personally want it to, you know, want Umbre to take the whole thing on because, um, you know, they're, like we've already said before, they're an established company. They've been around for years. They know exactly what they're doing. And I think really it's about time we had a little bit of the professionalism coming into to the kit, you know, and um, yeah, I, I hope they're covering it across the board because I'd hate to think that it was kind of a, you know, while they're doing the, you know, the men's kit or the, you know, the women's kit. I, I let's just let them 
take over the whole thing, surely, and it will be much easier and much clearer and I think a much better product ultimately, you know? But what do you think, Pete? Well, I'm a bit worried about that because it's a bit like saying Miles is technically part of this podcast, but we don't really see him that often, do we? <laughs> so it worries me that if they're technically our kit sponsor, they only turn up every now and again. And it, 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 the reading of the thing, kind of, it's the match day and training kit and off-field wear for the men's, women's and academy teams. Mm. And it doesn't really mention fans. And yeah. so... Um, I'd like to think that we're, we're making a massive uh, issue out of something that's that's not a problem. Um, and I think, but, you know, it does worry me when you hear that phrase, you know, technically, so-and-so does this, and uh, which kind of means it doesn't, they don't do anything. So um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, they've still, I've noticed, ironically, when they sent that email announcing it, you scroll down the email a bit and they're still only discounting the current kit for 30% off, which yeah. kind of makes yeah. me think that was a bit That's odd. A you know, if, thing. if July the 1st is a whole new load of stuff coming, um, they should be just getting rid of this stuff. But um, So I don't know. I mean, you know, it will, we'll, we'll find out, no doubt, but it's, it's definitely something to, uh, to speculate about. And, and, and in a way, thank, thank God they did put that in there because we wouldn't have much else to talk about, would we? <laughs> Well, it's, uh, it certainly is an interesting phrase. Uh, I can't imagine that they wouldn't want to um, supply all the, the, the kind of training kit and leisure wear uh, as well as part of the deal. Um, and let's hope that's the case because, you know, I'm sure we all want a decent supply chain, the right sizes in stock at the right time. And uh, with someone like Umbro, hopefully we'll get that. Of course, two, two issues for me. Um, one is... And we talked about this um, a lot um, last year, is will Umbro produce um, a, a ladies range? So will the, the match shirts uh, and also a leisure range be in a ladies fit? I hope the club have listened uh, and I hope they, they go down that route with Umbro. Uh, and then, obviously, the big thing that uh, concerns all fans when it comes to shopping is uh, beanie and bobble hats. You know, are we going to see them by the autumn um, and, instead of gilets. Christmas? Don't forget gilets. Uh, well, yeah, the gilets, come on, they're a big thing for me and Pete, the gilets. They, they, you, your gilets as well. But uh, let me put you on the spot, boys. Um, you, you've got a choice, beanie hat or bobble hat for next season. Which, which is it going to be, Lee? Uh, it's going to be a beanie for me, Tom. And Pete? I've got to say bobble. I've never looked good in a beanie, Tom. No, well, there we are. See, I, I'd go for the beanie as well, just a bit easier to uh, stuff in a pocket if uh, when, you, when you're in the Tom. bar. So, um... Tom, can I just mention one other thing? Because you, know, you being a, a kind of top-level elite communications man, I'm just reading a couple of the quotes from the, from the um, press release. And I just, you know, I, it makes me, I'm interested in what it actually means. So John Lansdowne, the, the esteemed uh, chairman and director, has said, Umbro has been designing performance products for almost a century. Their expertise in logistics, resourcing and scale is going to be a huge asset in helping us meet demand and to grow the Bears' identity and vision. Does that sound like a bit of a, an admission of failure to you, Tom? It, it certainly does. Reading between the lines, that's... We've struggled with all of this for the last couple of seasons, so we've decided to get some experts in rather than try and do it ourselves. So, uh, yeah, I, I very guess, much... Yeah. Yeah. 
It gets better, though. Sam Lucas, he's head of sponsorship at Umbro, has added, we have stated our intention to credibly support rugby through our partnership with England Rugby, joining forces with Bristol Bears, an exciting club on a journey to great things, complements this on a domestic and regional level. At the same time, the partnership helps us to deepen our connection with the sport, its fans and the wider rugby community. You could have written that yourself, Tony. Oh, you? Do you know what? I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> But very nice, very nice uh, corporate announcement. It says everything and nothing, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, it's great that we're, I think we're going to be the only top level club that are going to have the same um, kit uh, kit sponsor or kit, kit provider as the England rugby team. Um, of course, let's just hope that um, they come up with uh, 3D decent strips for next season um, because uh, the proof's in the pudding. I'll tell you one thing though, just... just um, while I think about it, I was having a bit of a tidy up and I had um, an old Bristol Cougar rugby top. Oh, uh, nice. And next to it was last season's top. And actually the quality difference, I, I forgot how good those Cougar shirts were actually designed and manufactured yeah, and the quality of it. And even the weight of it, it's, it feels like twice the weight. You know, it feels like... Well, it, it of, feels like a rugby shirt thing, doesn't it? Like the old Cougar ones, they feel like your traditional rugby shirts. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I hope Umbro, um, you know, we'll, we'll see a technically superior kind of material and build for the shirts to maybe what yeah. we've had with Bristol Sports. And, hey, and boys, as, long as, as long as they're credibly supporting the rugby, that's that's all that matters to me. And we, we might even... Yeah. They might even bring out... A, a, an actual game shirt, you know, for for eighty ninety quid, and uh, obviously with us and our trim bodies now, yeah. after the old lockdown, we could uh, we should buy one of those maybe for uh, for next season. Well, well, that, that, <laughs> we'll be rippled. The the battle of <laughs> the battle of the bulge, yeah. Well, ho- ho- hopefully they'll do the opposite and have a maybe hundred percent cotton fans version of uh, of the strip because I know Bath tend to do that, don't they? So uh, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that that would be rather nice as well. But anyway, all that excitement, eh? When the uh, the the tills start ringing again down at Ashton Gate, when we get the opportunity to to buy this kit. So you're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout, and many more platforms. If you like what you hear please leave a review or rating for the show. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're bearsbeyondgate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. So let's move on to some broader rugby news then. And um, actually, it's been a really busy week, isn't it? With those announcements from Bristol, but also in the broader rugby world. Um, Let's start with um, European rugby's announcement. Uh, Well, it was two announcements, really. First of all, that they're hoping that this season's Champions Cup and Challenge Cup will take place on the 16th and 17th of October, so potentially deep into um, the start of next season. But for me, the more interesting thing was their proposal, and I think it's for one season only for next year, to have a 24-team Champions Cup. So let me come to Pete first. Um, What do you make of that? Well, it's, I mean, it sounds 
sounds eminently sensible and logical in an illogical world because if we talked about this six months ago we would have sort of scoffed at it and said no you can't do that sort of thing but now i mean anything sounds sensible to me uh, but yeah i quite like the idea of that it, it's um um you know it's it's uh, when was the tony you've read it when when were they proposing it would happen in uh, the next season towards the end or do you remember um i cannot to be no, honest so you didn't say uh no I mean, but i i would imagine it would be that kind of sl- split between um one one block before Christmas yeah, I mean, it, after. yeah I mean it kind of it, it depends whether you like that thing where you get a bit of a run of games going in the premiership and then suddenly we start and then uh, have a couple of European challenge games or an Anglo or a you know a Oh, it was called now Premiership Cup, and then you go back, and we've had some ridiculous things this season where we literally had like one game, didn't we? And then we were back for a couple of premierships. Um, yeah, uh, I, I I quite like the idea of it. I I I I think we were there was some discussion on the maths though, Tony, wasn't there? Well, there's there's two things, and I'll come to Lee on these two points. One um, one is quite simple, really. They've talked about 24 teams, so that's eight teams from uh, the Gallagher Premiership, eight teams from the Pro 14, uh, and eight teams from the Top 14. And I just find it a bit. Uh, you know, Bristol has battled for a decade to try and get back into the, the elite rugby. Um, and the season we look like, you know, we're going to comfortably finish in the top six. They're going to allow the top eight to, to go in there. But the, the thing that I didn't get, and I, I'd like to get your, your thoughts on this, Lee, is um, in the announcement, and they, they were pretty sketchy with the details, they talked about this new competition being played over eight weekends. Now, if you've got 24 teams, um, that's either going to be eight groups of three or six groups of four, I would think. Now, I got yeah. my, uh, my my pen and pencil out. Now, if you, if you have a group of three, you're going to play each of the other teams home and away. So that's four games. Then you have a quarterfinal, a semifinal and a final. So that's seven weekends. Now, if you have it where there's um, six groups of four, yeah. you will play six uh, home and away, um, then a quarterfinal, a semifinal and a final. Um, and then that's nine weekends. So I'm at a bit of a, a loss to work out how it's going to be played over eight weekends. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no doubt that the maths don't add up to, to what they've said. And I mean, I think obviously there's a, there's a lot of stuff which is still being banded about now. And, you know, I think that they're still making it up as they go. But um, I mean, the one thing we do know is, is, is that, you know, with rugby, you don't have the um, the option of like they, they they do say at cricket where you can have like a semi final and a final day, you know, on the same on the same day. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, with professional rugby, you've got no option of doing that. So the the mathematics in terms of what they're proposing, they definitely don't add up to what you know. I see we're talking about eight consecutive weekends, aren't we? So is this why? Otherwise, no, it doesn't, no, does it? No, no, no. It's it's eight eight weekends of games, as I understand. Okay, it. So, at, so, at some point. At, at yeah, some yeah. point. So that might yeah. might be two blocks of four, or a three, a three, and a two. I don't know. Um, but maybe they got they'll have a plate final. But then again, that would be uh, that would be on the same time as the, the normal final because it would be the same mm. clubs, would it? Yeah. I don't know. It's 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 uh, it's it's confusing. 
tone. I, I'm, I'm still trying to get my head around whether I can come and meet you two in the park for a chat or not at the moment. So, uh, you know, this is doing me headed, you know, or whether I can play tennis with, uh, with you. No, I can't. No, you're not my family. Are you? So, yeah, but I think, you know, it will evolve, I imagine, a bit like everything's evolving at the moment. Hmm. I mean, one, one thing I will say is I agree with Pete. I mean, I, I, you know, if it's going to be a block, I'd rather be it, it be a block where we we're not constantly disjointing the season because, you know, I, I don't know what you guys think, but it's so frustrating for me. I think you you, you know, kind of, we had a run of Premiership games and like for, for this season we were doing really well, and then all of a sudden it stops and then we go to another you know competition and that, that's yeah. fine if it's a block, but if it's just you know a week or two. And then we're back again, and then we stop again. You know, it's I, I just find that whole thing really disjointed, and you can't you can't get into it. You know, we quite enjoyed the fact that there was that kind of run early pre you know pre season essentially yeah. because of the World yeah. Cup, the Premiership Cup. That was quite good fun, wasn't it? It was, it was quite that nice. Was good fun was four games. Yeah, our pre season games, but they were meaningful yeah. pre season games, weren't they? But um, yeah. It's uh, well, well, you know, I, I, I prefer I prefer a good run. <laughs> Put it that way, like you, Lee, a good run. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the whole whole structure of next season is going to be interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. first of all, we have to try and finish this season off one way or another, and then you know, if if we do play all the what's it nine rounds that are left, um, you know, we're not going to be starting next season. One would have thought on the end of August, start of September. So no. I think there's a there's lot. Six Nations uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. Six Lions, and then the Lions is supposed to be starting in June. I mean, that's the thing. There's, there's not any scope, is there? Really, there's not much scope to to organise all this stuff. You know. Uh, absolutely, Premiership Cup. Will you know? Will that be there this season? Um, I think that's got to be one of the things that that has to, to take a, a buy for this year for the new season. Well, well, having said that, you know, when the Autumn Internationals, if they're played, um, you know, do you do you want um, Premiership games at the same time as the Autumn Internationals? Um, it's it's it. Well, we'll. Things will start to shape up, won't they? Once we know how this season's yeah. going to be completed. So, uh, but I thought that was interesting. So the twenty-four teams um, and uh, played over eight weekends. So, uh, you know, I think we should be looking at uh, Bristol absolutely in the Champions Cup next season. Uh, let's move on to some other news. Um, just a quickie, just to throw in, uh, Johan Ackerman leaving Gloucester um, yeah. in the middle of the season. Lee, your thoughts on that? Well, I thought that was, that was a shocker for me because there was no uh, inclination. There was nothing that I'd heard in the press or anything that he might be on his way. Um, but it's funny because obviously we, you know, we've got a couple of Gloucester supporting uh, friends, haven't we, boys? And Big Andy, um, big well, Big Andy and Rich, and um, I don't know if you'd heard anything from for Rich Tone, but it was it was a complete shock for me. So, I mean, I don't know whether um, Ackerman had just dropped that on Gloucester because um, he's gone to Japan, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. the NTT, right? the Como Red Hurricanes. Mm. So I don't know if that was um, that was something that was already you know, always planned and. Um, yeah, Gloucester have someone lined up, or whether that was just the ball out of the blue, really. But yeah, so, I mean, it, it's, it's, it perhaps is one of those situations when you ask him, you know, what was your reason for going to the um, highly salaried 
Dobberco Reds Hurricanes. Um, but I, I, yeah, because it starts in July apparently. They're his job, so it makes uh, that start right. the Japanese season. Well, that wouldn't um, make sense for the, the United so, when it was then. Yeah, maybe you know clearly that kind of end of the season here. Um, I mean, he's, he's. I mean, he's got to be going for the money, surely. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's, it's interesting. They were on a run of five defeats, weren't they? Having a, yeah. a pretty torrid time. Um, yeah. You know, did he, did he go before he was pushed? Well, they, they definitely Gloucester definitely didn't have the same oomph and impact. Did they? Well, you know, it goes back to your your kind of PR sort of communications. I'm just reading it here, Tony. It says that the chief executive Gloucester. Um, told Points West I understand it's surprising for the fans but Johan approached us three or four weeks ago and said he had some personal reasons why he wanted to explore some opportunities more money <laughs> we, yeah well we respect him a great deal as a coach and a man and we understood these reasons whatever they are uh, cha-ching so we gave him permission to pursue those opportunities the one he has chosen to take in Japan is in Japan and it will be amazing for him and his accountant in brackets it said oh no he didn't say that sorry <laughs> right well, that... I mean, let's face it he's not he's, as well as Japan you know have done over the last few years he's not he's, surely he's not going to go there for um, for rugby reasons is he per se well, who knows? Yeah. Andy will tell us, and Rich, hopefully. Yeah. Well, let's let's move on because um, there was also the announcement from World Rugby that, with immediate effect, um, the rule that allows a try to be scored if someone uh, places the ball at the base of the posts. Um, has been removed. Um, that will no longer be the case. Pete, your thoughts on this rule change? Well, it's it's sensible, I think, um, from a kind of try scoring point of view. Um, we we speculated on this off off air, didn't we, boys? And said that be yeah. you know Exeter will be gutted about that. Um, it, it's one of those ones that just seemed a bit odd, um, and you know, it, it, nobody's going to complain, are they? I don't think, apart from Exeter. As I said, and apart from the odd prop, it gets the chance to score from time to time. Um, so yeah, I think uh, it seems it seems sensible. I mean, I uh, I guess it's also a safety aspect to it as well um, that you know they won't purposely drive towards those posts, which um, potentially can can cause problems. Um, so yeah, it seems pretty good to me. Well, just out of interest, boys, how many how many tries did you actually ever see? With someone yeah. touching against the post, just out of interest, yeah, actually, about as, as about as many as, as as we saw drop goals as well. well I'd see. say I'd, I'd I'd say probably about as many as appearances as uh, Miles being on, Miles the, pod. on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a nonce. It was a bit of a nonsense, wasn't it? I agree. I mean, the Chiefs would be guided because obviously, you know, that's kind of. Um, determined a lot of their play their forward play hasn't it over the last uh, period of time but, but actually if you really... extend that if you extend actually the seriousness I, I've always been a bit irked by the fact that if you score one of those ugly kind of Exeter style punch and drive tries under the posts you then guarantee two more points yeah. um, from the conversion whereas you might see some amazing flowing move that takes teams backwards and forwards across and finally get this amazing sort of miss pass into the corner dives in the corner and then it's the worst it's the most difficult conversion and it's only worth the same and, yeah. I, and I, I remember I sort of speculated I think, well actually maybe we should go a bit further and say that any try that is scored within a kind of 
a, a certain um, distance either side of the middle of the pitch, and it could even be marked out with the line is only is worth five points. There's no there's no there's no conversion. And then if you score one or something like if you score one like out wide, um, then at least you get a chance for a conversion to add and mm. two extra points, or maybe up it a bit and, and maybe make the conversion three points. So you could you're not giving them eight points. But you're given yeah. the opportunity to make it an eight-pointer for a beautiful, fantastic flowing move. And I think um, that's a good shout, Pete, because, I mean, obviously the emphasis is on, on flowing rugby and, and bringing fans to the games, isn't it? So sorry, why not? Sorry, boys, ju- ju- just to throw a spanner in your flowing rugby, um, <laughs> w- w- wouldn't it mean you have even more kicks to the corners for line-outs and... Um, forwards doing what they currently yeah. do in front of the post just driving over um yeah. I, I think you're likely to score more tries than that than than spinning the ball 50 meters across the pitch so uh, i think it's an maybe interesting... a few caveats in there so maybe you're not allowed to do it from the line we, in, in, yeah, we, can, we can work on it <laughs> in, 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 interesting um to, to be honest i don't think that's particularly um that's that's not broken so i i personally don't think that needs to be fixed but i think one of the things that i i found interesting and i saw I forget who it was. It was someone on Twitter. It says now that this rule has um, uh, been changed, could we move to NFL style posts? So you would have the uprights would be right above the try line, but the you just have a single pole then that bends round to to anchor it to the ground. So uh, actually, you would have a, a clear kind of um, run at the the whole of the try line all the way across, and the post wouldn't be in the way. Um, now, is is that a, a step too far? Um, would we would we would we be sad to see the traditional posts go um, if, if something like that happened? Lee, I know you like your American football. What's your thoughts? I, yeah, I do love my NFL. I mean, you know, it's one of the greatest sports. But personally, I wouldn't want to be following the NFL rule in our in our traditional game. I mean, it's yeah, I, I, I get the, the kind of point that they're trying to make. But no, for me, I, you know, keep keep the posts as they are. Um, you know, we've we've been doing that for you know over a hundred years now. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy yeah. with our our traditional game. Really, Look, I agree. If you're going to do it, I'd rather you'd hang them from a wire or something that's going across the top. <laughs> if you don't want to have like a post in the way at the bottom, and then you know, the, they, you know, there's a crossbar and two kind of uprights, and they're hanging from a wire, and uh, you know, you can still kick through them. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be happy to see that that symbol of and, um, yeah uh, American hegemony come into our traditional game there. And I don't think most people would, to be honest, Tame. I mean, you obviously, you're a big NFL fan. What do you think? Um, I, I, I'm a big NFL fan, but I'm also very much a traditionalist. And, uh, yeah, I think let's let's keep the post. See, I, I, I'm not one that likes to tinker with the rules too much. Um, yeah. You know, I think this is an amazing game that's been going for, like you said, over three three centuries now, didn't it? The 1800s, yes. 1900s yes. and yep. the 2000s. Um, and we haven't had to change the, the laws that, that often. So, yeah. Uh, 
you know, and unless it's for safety reasons, then uh, I think we've got a great game, and uh, I, I'd leave most of the the, the the rules as they currently are. But let's let's go on to Lord Miner's report now. Pete uh, sent us a message on WhatsApp to say that he'd thoroughly gone through the fifty-five page um, report and that he'd be ready to give his summary for Bears Beyond the Gate listeners um, this Sunday evening. We're recording this on Sunday evening, um, so Pete, if you could, um, yeah, give us your executive summary, please. Yeah, in full detail, please, Pete. Well, as I as I, I think you misread that WhatsApp message, boys. I think I said this is a little bit of light reading for you, and I'll be and I'll be testing you as the teacher. It's not up to me to, to do the stuff. You, the pupils, do it, and I'll test you anyway. Um, what I have gleaned from it, Tone, having uh, kind of very quickly skimmed through it and, and, and analysed it, is that. Um, it might be a sort of move away <laughs> away from big money marquee players. Uh, I think that was one of the things that came out of it. I think the point they were trying to make was that um, that there is an argument to say that even though the marquee player kind of rule was there to try and create excitement in the Premiership by attracting good foreign players, which is very much the reason why we've got Rodrada and Piatau. Um, I think there was also that the counter argument was that it has driven up wages amongst kind of, you know, um, homegrown players. And, and, and this is one of the problems that has led to a lot of the issues with the salary cap um, and perhaps across a lot of clubs, you know, trying to dodge and dive around it in order to afford this sort of thing. Although one thing that came out of it was quite interesting was that, I think I said this last pod, didn't I, that Owen Farrell, Saracens are using the marquee mm. rule to pay for Owen Farrell, which kind of is totally against the spirit of it. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think this was really the, you know, the, the summary of it was that there's been a lot of shady stuff going on um, for quite a while and, and lots of kind of poor administration with clubs and not filing things properly. And, and by all accounts, I think he was basically saying the salary cap manager has had a pretty difficult job to kind of keep a track of what's going on. And, and you know, and, and a lot of clubs are to blame. And it's kind of time to stop. And perhaps one of the reasons is, is this kind of aspiration inflation has driven clubs to tr- sort of, you know, to, to try and bend the rules just to kind of operate. And I suspect, you know, one of the things I read that maybe Retrada might, and you know, might be the last big marquee signing that the Premiership sees for, for a long time. Lee, Lee, your thoughts are on that. Marquee signings, have they been good for rugby in this country or as uh, Pete's just been talking about, um, as the inflationary wage pressure uh, actually made things uh, incredibly difficult for premiership clubs? No, I mean, I, I can I can understand the point that, that Pete's made about, I mean, there has been a lot of... Um, a lot of school duggery going on, I think. But let's face it, boys. When when we when when it was announced that we were signing Rodrada and Sinclair and Piertau, and just how excited were, were we and our little group around us? Um, the, the, the whole point of rugby is to have these marquee signings. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a lot of stuff that does need to be looked at internally. Because we all know that there's a lot of stuff going on, like with the Farrell thing, and you know, a lot of stuff going on that, that does need to be looked at. But for me personally, we we have to keep the marquee signings because 
it creates that, you know, that kind of um, excitement, that enthusiasm, um, and ultimately puts bums on seats for season tickets. So, no, marquee signings, you know, for me, need to be kept. Well, I think, you know, they, they came in, didn't they, to try and counter the big French clubs that seem to have limitless budgets and uh, all, all the big stars were going to France. Um, I think the interesting thing for me, the um, Lord Miner's report is a set of recommendations. So now yeah. it's up to Premier Rugby to decide which ones they take on board. I certainly think the recommendations around, um, you know, uh, tightening up the rules around salary cap. And if there are misdemeanours, the, the kind of automatic relegation and titles being stripped um, will probably be enshrined in the rules. Um, I think it's going more to be... More transparency. More transparency. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting, the marquee signing um, rule, um, because if, if you wanted to get a, uh, to, to drop it, to say the marquee signings are no longer going to longer going to be allowed um, you're going to have to phase that in now I think we've got Radrada on a three year contract yeah, um, yeah you know to suddenly say actually after one year you've got to incorporate him in your salary cap um, would, would, would be virtually impossible I, I, I would say without having to get rid of a lot of really good players so you know if it is a change they are going to make then um, it will be hugely interesting to see how they would implement it and over what kind of time frame um you know i i at the end of the day you know we are super excited to be able to have seen the likes of charles pietel this season radrada next season um but would i maybe forsake that for uh, a much more competitive league um i i do you know i think i might um, and uh, you know some of these big international stars um, you know um, if, if, if that's the case then you know they either got to cut their salaries or um, ply their trade elsewhere sorry Lee sorry no sorry I was just going to say where, where does that leave us kind of in terms of um, you know like the, does the French league then I mean you know where are these players going to going to end up you know is it, I mean the whole system needs to be if we're going to do it the whole system needs to be looked at and completely um, changed around doesn't it and I and I guess because of obviously the, with the complete situation of what's happened now um, I guess it, it is a good time for all this stuff to be talked about and put on the table um, and like you say they're recommendations so there's going to be a long list of stuff and hopefully whatever gets filtered through and decided at the end will be for the benefit of the game that we all love. Yep. Pete, did you want to add, add anything to, to... I just think, in the, I mean, you know, looking forward to next season, I mean, budgets are going to, all around the world are going to be in, in all sorts of areas are going to be squeezed, aren't they? And, um, you know, maybe everything, you know, there's going to be a kind of period of rugby austerity, um, you know, and we may not, you know, there, there may not be any kind of relish for paying big salaries. And, and actually, it, you know, if it suddenly becomes like that, then, you know, some of these big players may not get a chance to, to, to go. You know, I right. thought that, you know, the French, the French, I would have thought there's going to be, you know, every every rugby playing country is going to be suffering 
financially for the next, next couple of years. So how it all plays out through sport and football and you know, rugby and agents and salaries, who knows? I, mean, see, I, I see it working another way. I see it, obviously, these, these top players are going to remain, but then the guys that are on the fringes then, they'll be the guys that get released, you know, yeah. further down the line. Yeah, but I mean, when you go to renegotiate a new contract... Yeah, it's going to be more difficult for a club to offer higher money, isn't it? Just if you, if you haven't got it, you, you know, it's just the way it is. It's, uh, I agree, yeah, it's not going to be good. I mean, it's not be good for a lot of players. They're, they're going to find themselves in a lot of trouble. You know, we, we may have talked about this in the past. You know, we may end up having to rely on academy players and, it, you know, the middle income player is going to get squeezed out in the next few years. Um, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Well... I mean, I think we're in the lucky position, obviously, with having Lansdowne. Um, you know, Stephen Lansdowne, the money that he's put into Bristol Sport. Although, uh, reading the um, the rich list in the Times today, I think he's taken a knock of about 340 million quid over the last year. So, uh, Are we talking about Lansdowne or Miles now? No, yeah. as I say, Miles, I think because of his accounting, um, couldn't couldn't. You know, it wasn't all above board, so he didn't get in the list. Um, you know, all that that black market he's stuff. In the, he's in the dark web list. The, yeah, yeah a, a, absolutely. <laughs> but I did um, just to, to to round things up. I see that the club seem to be looking to open up another revenue stream. I don't know if any of you have taken a stroll. Um, um, around Ashton Gate on a Friday evening. I have. Yes, yes. but the the fish and chip. Um, um, yeah. van has opened up which yeah, uh, in, the car park. In, in the car park nicely placed next to the mobile NHS testing centre so nicely placed you say Tony. nicely it's placed a very, very good pun squeezed yeah. in there as well so, so <laughs> if, if any key workers uh, are looking for cod chips and a COVID-19 test uh, get yourself down to the Ashton Gate car park on Friday and possibly Saturday as well so uh, on that note then um, whether you want your fish and chips from Ashton Gate or not uh, that's it from us this week Pete Lee thank you very much for your company once more thank Thank you you. and uh, we'll be back when there is Bristol Bears news to share um, and hopefully that won't be too long so for all of you uh, all the listeners thank you so much for continuing to support Bears Beyond the Gate podcast and we'll speak to you soon.